the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Of course, that's in Orlando. Uh, every weekend, Alan Dempsey does our engineering, superbly, by the way. And uh, Andrew Herdliska is our producer. Rachel Macy Stafford. What a what a name. What a big-time name that is. And her book is out, Only Love Today, with Zondervan. And Rachel, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, only love today. What's your book about? What 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 have you done here? So this book, um, different than Hands Free Mama and Hands Free Life, my first two books, which all center around center around letting go of the modern day distractions, so you can connect to what really truly matters in life. What's different about Only Love Today is that I've put. Entries that um, are things that can give you like a reset button, like if your day is going off the rails or you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling distracted, you can read a short entry instead of like having to read the whole book, you can read a two-minute entry and come back to a place of peace and optimism and positivity because it's so easy in the world that we live in to... Feel, feel yourself getting negative or not being present or mindful about the way that you're living and the choices that you're making. So this is, um, I like to call it a moment-by-moment moment encouragement book rather than a daily inspiration because I don't want you to think you have to read it because it's non-dated. I wanted people to be able to flip around to whatever they were dealing with and have inspiration. What happened one day when your daughter was checking your blood pressure. Well, I was having some health issues, and they were trying to figure out why I was having some pain, and my blood pressure was spiking, so my doctor said, why don't you start testing it every day, see where we're at. Well, my daughter, who was 12 at the time, Natalie loves anything related to medical um, information, and so she started giving me this blood pressure reading. And as she was putting it on my arm and I could feel the blood pulsing through my veins, I had a moment of clarity about, you know, the dishes in the sink, the pants on the floor of my closet that didn't fit, the traffic that I was going to have to face when I left the house. And I thought, I get so worked up about these things that don't really matter when you really hold it up to the fragility of life and you think about this this moment that I have right now is so precious and I lose sight of that. I, I lose sight of what a gift it is. And those blood pressure readings really helped give me perspective that actually carried throughout the whole day. And so I thought, hmm, I wish I could give other people this clarity that I'm experiencing. And that's when God put it on my heart. You can, Rachel, you can write short little entries that take two minutes to read that will give someone a lasting impact as they go throughout their day. Tell me why the book is divided into seasons of life. How do you explain that? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like we, we go through, you know, struggles and triumphs, and some days are better than other days. And I feel like if you have a book where you can say, hmm, I'm really struggling right now with connecting with my teen. How can I connect with my teen? They don't want anything to do with me. Well, you can turn to the season on connection. Um, let's say that you're that you find out you're ill or that someone in your family is 
is ill and they're dying, you might go to the season of hope. And so I think that if you, you know, look at what you're struggling with and you voice that struggle with to yourself, to God, to a friend, right then and there, that that lifts that burden and it gets it out in the open and that's how you have hope. And what I wrote at the intro of my book was I want you to feel like you're sitting at my kitchen table where I would have my blood pressure readings and you're talking to a friend because I get it. We all struggle, and it's, it's when we try to act like we're not struggling and we plaster a smile on our face and say, oh, yeah, everything's fine. That's when we really lose hope, and that's when we really get into a rut. And so I put the seasons of life in there to, to let people know it's normal to struggle, it's, but what you need to do is to voice that struggle because you never know when your story, your struggle is going to be someone else's hope. And they're going to say, oh, I thought I was the only one who yelled at my kids. No, you're not. And when we, when we see each other's scars, we love each other more. That's one of my favorite quotes in the book, because I do believe there's hope when we share our struggles. Uh, Give me that quote again, please. When we see each other's scars, we love each other more. Mm. Rachel Macy Stafford is our guest. What's your advice, Rachel, to people who feel that they're too distracted in their lives? Well, I was that person. I was too distracted. I couldn't walk by my phone without checking it. I was always trying to stay up to date on all the information that was coming in. I couldn't sit on the couch and just relax. So I was always thinking about what what can I do next? And so what I did was I set a timer one day. For 10 minutes, I called it my hands-free time, meaning I'm going to put away my phone, I'm going to put away my laptop, my to-do list, my um, regret, my guilt, my need for perfection. I'm going to mentally push it away, set that timer, and be available. Be available to God. Be available to my own heart. Be available to my family. And in those 10 minutes that I started, my hands-free 10 minutes, something meaningful and peaceful would happen. It would be, for example, the first time I did it, my daughter picked up my hand and she kissed my palm. And I thought, oh my goodness, my child, no matter how much she needs to or wants to, she cannot kiss a moving target. My husband can't kiss a moving target. My, my mom and dad can't kiss a moving target. If we don't slow down and invest our time and presence in the things and the people that really matter, what, you know, what, what, what good is our life? And so that is when I realized these distraction-free moments had the power to unlock this grip that distraction had on my brain and my heart. And those 10 minutes, they ended up growing to entire weekends when I would not look at my phone. I would not think about my to-do list and my need to get things done. And those would be the most exhilarating, refreshing, and restorative weekends that I had ever had. I want you to talk about... uh self-care. Mm-hmm. You emphasize that. Why is that essential? Well, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not loving yourself and mothering yourself, you can't mother other people. And I learned this the hard way. Again, my book is all about, you know, me speaking from a place of understanding, not judgment. And I ended up one night taking the casserole dish smashing it on the kitchen counter in a moment of overwhelming frustration. I was so embarrassed. I was so remorseful because I could have really hurt someone. And I went to my daughter's room who had witnessed the whole scene. And I said, I'm so sorry that I reacted that way. I don't think I'm taking care of myself. And it dawned on me in that moment that I had been burning the candle at both ends, putting myself, um, up to ridiculous standards, not 
exercising, not sleeping enough, not drinking my water, and all of that over time, you get to this place where you just fall apart. And so that is one of the things I talk about in my book is it is not selfish to care for yourself. My guest, and she's a good one, Rachel Macy Stafford. Uh, We're talking about her book, Only Love Today. Uh, We're back with Rachel right after these messages, folks. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather every weekend just like this on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Consult your tax professional before investing. Let me ask you a question. Can you keep your 401k or IRA safe from the death of the dollar, continued rampant Fed spending, political corruption, and from the possible new Cold War with Russia? If you answered no, then listen up. Fortunes are going to be made and lost over the next few months. It's time you took action. Over 50,000 people have requested our Gold IRA Investment Guide to learn how to protect their retirement savings. Now it's your turn. We are Advantage Gold, the number one rated gold IRA company in America by Trustlink. Right now, we are giving away a free copy of our new gold IRA protection guide to anyone with an IRA, 401k, or retirement account that is over the age of 55. Just call 1-800-900-8000 right now, and we will help teach you how to keep your retirement savings away from the government and safe in your pocket. Just call today at 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Representatives are standing by. Call 800-900-8000 today. A CNN original series. Stop doubting and believe. The followers who loved him. I am the resurrection and the life. The enemies who feared him. Go to Bethlehem. Kill them all. Who is the man behind the greatest story ever told? Everybody who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Finding Jesus. New season Sundays at 9 Eastern and Pacific on CNN. The word is hope, the word is love, the word is grace, and the word has a trip for you to the Holy Land. Join us, won't you, to visit the very places that thread the festive tapestry of the beloved stories of the Bible. Experience Israel in 2017, discovering Galilee, the Jordan Valley, and many other biblically historical sites. Just go to WTLN.com, WTLN.com, and experience Israel with us. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Rachel Macy Stafford is with us. She's our guest. And uh, we're talking about her book, Only Love Today. Uh, Your book is full of daily reminders or intentions, Rachel. Are you a big believer in setting routines and having routines? Yes, I was talking earlier about those distraction-free time increments. And those have been powerful in my life because I do them at the same time every day. I do it in the morning when I first wake up. Rather than reaching for the phone, I have my hands-free time. I do it after school when my kids get home. I do it when my husband comes home from work and in the evenings at bedtime. And the reason I feel like those time-free, those distraction-free time increments are, have been lasting and connective and important to my family is because they happen around the same time every day. So my daughters know I can count on mom being available at this time. I can count on us doing something as a family at this time. And so when you have those connective times already into the routine, when tragedy strikes, because unfortunately, we all go through hard times. When, when you go through a divorce, when you go through moving, when someone in your family passes away, when you lose your job, those things are going to shake the foundation. But you have those distraction-free times, those connective times that you fall back on, and those are always there because it's part of your routine. And that can really keep your family and keep you um, just focusing on what really matters, and not losing yourself in that tragedy. Explain this next one to us. 
uh, cell phones. We all hope that we aren't using overusing them, but it's easy to fool ourselves. Uh, so how do we know how much is too much? Well, I have some red flags behaviors that I figured out for myself when I knew I was using my phone too much. When I started using my phone as a crutch rather than a tool, so I was bored or I was, um, you know, wanting to avoid a conversation, grab my phone, that's using it as a crutch rather than a tool. When I would get angry at my children for interrupting me when I was scrolling, you know, on Facebook, like that's ridiculous. But I have seen this happens to other people too. You're on your phone and you get mad at the people who are in real life trying to get your attention. That's a problem. And when you find yourself carrying it around like it's a breathing apparatus, like I can't go anywhere without my phone, like that's a sign that you're not using it for the right purpose. And so when that's when I started my distraction-free times to wean myself of that feeling that I was uh, just had to have it because that's when you know it's become invasive in your life and in your relationships, and it could be causing damage. Let's talk about uh, this next topic. Uh, you have a way of writing that encourages us all to be better, uh, but how can we encourage people to try their best and then not feel less than when they fall short? What's your story? What's the story there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a big believer uh, because I was a special ed teacher for 10 years. I'm a big believer in letting your loved ones know that you think they are capable, that you you believe in them, and setting an expectation that I, you can do this. Now, they are not going to always succeed, but you have to focus on, I feel, the effort. And that way you can tell your child, I saw what you did. I saw that you bravely tried. It didn't turn out the way you might have hoped, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a success. And I think it's important for our children to know that trying and maybe failing or not getting what we want is an important quality and attribute to have as you grow because you don't want your child to fail and go, oh, I quit. I'm never trying that again because that's that's a disservice to them. So I think it's important to stress the effort because mistakes mean we're learning. Mistakes mean we're trying and we're living boldly and bravely. Flawed, yeah, we're, we're all flawed, but we're full of hope. Living bravely, boldly, flawed, and full of hope. That is how I want to live. Let's talk about another topic. Um, How can the readings of your book serve as nightly prayers? How does that work? Well, at the end of every short story or short entry that I have in my book, there is a daily intention. And... I wanted people to be able to use those intentions however serve them best. For me, my intentions are often prayers like, um, Lord, let me be loved today. Let me be loved, the kind of love that shows up when you least expect it, the kind of love that breaks down barriers and silences hate talk. Let me be the mountain-moving type of love that makes good things possible. Those those were my prayers, and I wrote them as intentions. But I do think when you put it out there, whether it's to God or to your uh, loved one or just out into the world, and you say, this is what I'm going to do today, this is what I'm going to be today, I think there's power in that, in that putting it out there and going public with your intention. Next topic for you, your 10-minute plan for reconnecting with loved ones when you feel like your bad day yesterday may be repeated today. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that 10 minutes, I call it the best 10 minutes because you have your day is filled with hundreds of things to do and to places to be and and you and you tell yourself well I should have done this I could have done that and and that 10 minutes 
like I said before, of pushing it all away and just being available, setting no expectation on what is going to happen in those 10 minutes because you're just letting yourself be so that you can experience this surrendering, this moment of I don't have to do anything but just be. And that 10 minutes becomes the best 10 minutes of the day because it's the only time that you really, truly can connect to your heart, to your family, to, to, the, to, the, to the goodness that is in your life that you can't see when you're going 110 miles per hour. Now, that makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So how did you turn some heartaches into hallelujahs with recent health concerns? Mm-hmm. Well, I struggled for about 18 months with pain and not knowing what was causing the pain. And, it, you know, this required so many doctor's visits, three surgeries, and it was at times I wanted to feel sorry for myself. Like, why, why is this happening? But when I started writing about these experiences, and this was before I I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't know what the ending to my story was going to be, but I thought, I'm just going to put this out, out there. And the most amazing thing happened. People said, wow, I haven't been to the doctor in a long time. I need to go. Or, wow, I've been dealing with pain for 20 years, and nobody has described what I've gone through like you just did. So I knew God was using me as a messenger because my story was far from over, and it was messy, and it was not pretty at times, but I was using it to bless others. And so it became a blessing to me. So I do think as I mentioned earlier earlier about sharing your story, sharing your struggle, even when you don't know how it's going to turn out, it's a way of putting a silver lining on that heartache and letting letting you know that you're you're being used for a very important purpose. And that is a hallelujah. Rachel Macy Stafford, she's our guest, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, her book is called Only Love Today. Uh, I want you to talk to us about the importance of encouragement, mm-hmm. uh, simple ways to spread encouragement online and in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about that? Sure. I have something in the book called The Six-Second Challenge. And what I say in that poem is basically that in six seconds, you can hold open a door. In six seconds, you can tell a little straggler, I'll wait for you. In six seconds, you can kiss someone like you really mean it. So what I'm trying to say is, in six seconds, you can put a ripple of goodness out into the world And you can smile at the person who's ringing up your groceries, and you can say, how's your day going? And really listen. It's amazing what we can do with six seconds when we just really focus on, I want to be a piece of goodness in this person's day. You don't have to know them. In fact, having something kind done from a stranger to me, that's almost like a divine, being an angel. Like you're, that person might say, gosh, I really needed that. Or they walk away thinking, how did that person know I really needed that lift? So I, I live my life just trying to be present, even with strangers, and try to be as kind as I possibly can when I am out in public because you just never know what someone's dealing with and what you can do with your kindness, with your six seconds, to turn their day around. Can you explain this sentence in the book? Having a parent who listens creates a child who believes he or she has a voice in the world. Yes. I lived that experience because of my father. He was a professor, and I walked to his office after school every day, and there was an empty chair sitting next to his desk. I'm sure that chair was for a colleague or for his students, but I thought the empty chair was for me. 
And I sat there every day for 10 minutes after school and had after-school chats with my dad. And when I walked in, he would put the cap on his pen and turn to me as if to say, I'm listening. I'm here, Rachel. And no matter what I was talking about, it could have been something completely trivial or silly, but he listened like that was his favorite part of the day. And I did that for at least 12 years as I was growing up, walked walked to my dad's office. And when I found myself in a horrible situation in college, I had the bravery, the strength, the confidence to speak up because I knew my voice mattered. And I knew my voice mattered because my dad had listened to me. And so when I talk to parents who say, I'm failing, my life is a mess, my kids don't even like me, I say, if you do one thing, listen. Listen when they tell you their shoes don't fit properly. Listen when they tell you they're being bullied. Listen when they tell you that you're their only hope. Listen to your child, and they will believe that their voice matters. In the book, you share how your negativity was impacting your children. Uh, How did you change that? I, this is where the title of my book comes in, Only Love Today. When I realized I was tearing down my older daughter particularly because I was a perfectionist, I was wanting things to be done a certain way, I was very controlling, But that was the voice that was inside of me. I was treating myself that way. No, Rachel, that's not good enough. Do it again. Well, that was spilling out onto my oldest daughter. And the day she reached up to get a snack in the pantry and she spilled an entire bag of rice on the floor, I saw the look in her face and she was terrified. She was terrified of my reaction to an honest mistake. And that's when I knew this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to be remembered when I'm gone. And I prayed that God would give me a way to shut down that inner bully in in me, which spilled out on my daughter. And that was when I prayed and God said, only love today, only love today. And I knew that was going to be the phrase that I would use when I started to critique her, when I started to criticize myself or my husband um, or my friend. I would use only love today. And over time, that powerful phrase shut down the bully and created an encouraging voice. Inside me now is an encouraging voice saying, you know what? You're trying your best. It's okay. We all have bad days. That encouraging voice says, hey, it was a mistake, but mistakes mean we're learning. And that is a voice that my daughters are hearing. That is a voice that my husband hears and my readers hear. My guest has been Rachel Macy Stafford. We will be back for more, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Are you tired of watching your heating bills skyrocket? There's a new personal heater that will slash your heating bills. It's from the makers of the original infrared heater, and it's called the Eden Pure Gen 21. Eden Pure infrared heat uses much less energy. It cannot burn or start a fire. Get the lowest price for the Eden Pure Gen 21. Call 1-800-264-4705. That's 800-264-4705. Or online, visit shopedenpure.com to learn more. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-613-4704. That's 1-800-613-4704. 1-800-613-4704. 
or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issue and company and other factors not available in all states. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Rachel Macy Stafford, our guest in the first half hour. Robert Kim is with us. He's the former Treasury Department's deputy attache at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. He's the author of Project Eagle, The American Christians of North Korea in World War II. Robert, wonderful to talk to you. I'm honored that we can uh, can have you on the show here. Thank you. It's quite a privilege to be on the show and to be able to tell you more about uh, the uh, rather unusual book that I've written. What does the title Project Eagle mean? Uh, Project Eagle was the name of the uh, secret operation by the U.S. Intelligence Service of the Second World War, the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS which worked together with the Korean Liberation Movement that had been in China for a quarter of a century by, the, by World War II. But tell me the story of American missionaries in Korea from 1884 to 1942. Uh, what was that period like? Who were these American missionaries? What was going on? It's a fascinating story, which unfortunately has... I think really slipped through the cracks in terms of Americans' historical memory. Uh, it is from a totally different period in American history and a totally different era in Asia. Uh, it was from a time when, of course, Korea was called the Hermit Kingdom because it was so heavily closed to the outside world. In fact, in Korea, there had been uh, you know, massacres of Christians all the way into the 1860s. But at the time when Korea decided to open itself up to the outside world, uh, Americans happened to be in a phase where they were looking to spread their religion and spread their ideas, uh, political ideas, uh, around the world. And I think people are very familiar with the American missionary movement in China, which was quite large and you know, quite successful in some ways. Mm-hmm. But it, it was in Korea that that movement, I think, really flourished. Uh, the uh, first American missionaries arrived in 1884, and they very rapidly succeeded in spreading Christianity all around the country. It began in Seoul, of course, which is the capital, and they established mission stations in pretty much the entire country by 1900. And it may seem hard to imagine right now, but Pyongyang, now the capital of North Korea, was the center of Christianity in Korea at the time. Mm. Uh, the people of Pyongyang uh, really took especially strongly to uh, Christianity, uh, to Presbyterianism in, in particular. And the mission station there was probably one of the most successful American missions anywhere in the world uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was uh, Pyongyang had the nickname the Jerusalem of the East among the missionary community in Asia. Isn't that interesting? And from this, uh, from the mission there, and the missions all over North, all over North, what is now North Korea, there was an entire generation of Americans who were born and raised in Korea. At the very same time, when a Korean independence movement against the uh, Japanese Empire's rule in Korea was growing, so you had an entire you know generation of Americans growing up, really alongside a growing Korean independence movement that was very heavily influenced by Christianity. Uh, it's not, I think it's really not very well known in the U.S. that the Korean independence movement from you know, the 1910s onward, all the way up to World War II, was predominantly led by Christians. And this, is in a, this was in a country that at the time had probably had only a few percentage, uh, percentage points of its population who were Christians. But the educated, forward-looking, uh, Patriotic people in Korea had embraced Christianity uh, in a very big way. So you had, I would say, you know, an American 
generation growing up in Korea, a Korean movement uh, for the liberation of their country, which was very heavily, heavily influenced by Christianity, which eventually ended up converging in China uh, under the uh, leadership of the U.S. Intelligence Service, which uh, reached out and recruited many of these Americans who had been born and raised in Korea. So you had uh, essentially the main intelligence analyst um, who, you know, who have you know, very exact analogs in today's day, CIA, was a man who had grown up in Pyongyang. His father had been the head of the American University there. Mm-hmm. Another of the operations officers had been born in what is uh, today the city of Kaesong, which is probably just only really known because it's the site of an special industrial zone that North Korea occasionally closes in retaliation for uh, developments uh, with the U.S. and South Korea. So you have this remarkable convergence of a Korean movement, uh, an American religious movement, all under the auspices of the U.S. intelligence service during the war. And they were actually very close to, ma- to mounting a significant intelligence operation that probably would have launched a major guerrilla war throughout Korea if the war in the United States, the war in Asia had dragged on longer against Japan. Robert Kim is our guest. Robert, who is George McCune and Clarence Weems and one of Korea's leading national heroes, Kim Koo? Yes, those three are, I think, individuals that are little known in the United States, uh, probably not really known at all. Uh, in fact, uh, I, Kim Koo is, I would, I would say, probably the leading national hero of Korea certainly of the 20th century. Uh, He was a man who was born into abject poverty in what was then an impoverished country, who eventually rose to become the uh, the undisputed leader of the Korean independence movement, was himself a Christian convert, had uh, no formal education, and was very much someone who pulled himself up in the world and eventually became uh, someone uh, who is you know, regarded in Korea as, uh, I mean, almost like the father of the country in a way. And he ended up working with uh, George McCune and Clarence Weems, who were two names that you probably had never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name Weems you might have heard of because the, the uh, Parson, uh, Parson Weems, who wrote the, uh, I'd say, much ridiculed at this point story of George Washington chopping down a cherry tree was <laughs> actually a relative of his. Very interesting. And the Weems family ended up being the head of the Methodist mission in the city of Kaesong, which is right on the 38th parallel, uh, right north of it, and is now in North Korea. The McCune family was a very uh, significant family in the mission in Pyongyang. And George McCune Sr., uh, the Reverend George McCune, was the head of Union Christian College, which was the Presbyterian-run university that was the actually the first university founded in Korea in 1905. And his son, George McCune, ended up being the very first American scholar of Korea and was someone that the OSS sought out and recruited at the start of the war, right after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, Clarence Weems Jr., whose father, Clarence Weems Sr., had headed the mission in Kaesong, had been, I'd say, he was an aspiring scholar of Korea. Uh, he graduated from college during the Great Depression, so he had very little uh, ability to actually uh, pursue scholarship, which had been his, which obviously had been his dream. Was working a fairly menial office job at the start of the war, but now, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, first the U.S. Army, and then the OSS sought him out and recruited him. And they were responsible for two of the most two of the main stages of uh, Project Eagle happening. George McCune was the intelligence analyst who figured out what was really going on with the Koreans and the independence movement in China. Uh, up to then, the U.S. Department of State really had had no contact with it, so therefore there was almost no information about it. So George McCune set the U.S. straight on what it needed to know about the Korean independence movement. Uh, Clarence Williams was the intelligence analyst and also operations officer 
who put together the project. So there were these three crucial figures that I decided to focus in on my book. Uh, one Korean, two American, uh, all of whom were born and raised in what is today North Korea. Mm. And I hope that they will become far better known figures in the United States in the future. Robert, do you think there's a multitude of Christians remaining in North Korea? There is a great deal of evidence that there are. At the end of World War II, well, from the end of World War II to the Korean War, there was a mass exodus of Christians from the north, down to the south. It probably mostly emptied out North Korea of Christians, but there were certainly some who stayed behind. Mm-hmm. And there are reports that come in constantly now about you know, North Korean executions of Christians. Uh, there are, you know, certainly, uh, I, I assume you're familiar with uh, Kenneth Bay, mm-hmm. the uh, Korean-American missionary who was imprisoned in North Korea. And he, had, he made numerous contacts with uh, Christians in North Korea. Um, so there are clearly many believers there who are keeping their beliefs hidden and underground. And, you know, there are, you know, I, I actually know some uh, Korean-American clergymen who can get on the phone with people in North Korea if you really want to. Because there is a community of believers there that has been underground and is very little known in the outside world, but uh, which I think I believe is starting to get noticed in the United States. And this is really a legacy of Americans and their presence in North Korea in the past century. Uh, I think it's a really remarkable remnant of what was once uh, you know, a fascinating American movement to spread their religion and ideas overseas. Is South Korea considered a Christian nation? Well, I believe that it was last decade that South Korea reached the point where, where Christians were, Christianity was the most numerous religion in the country. I believe that about some, a bit over 40% of Koreans are now officially Christians, which I think exceeds every other religion put together. And you know, the interesting thing about uh, Korea is that if you look at you know, educated, successful professionals in Korea, it's expected that they'll be Christians these days. It's very much a religion for uh, people who are you know, successful, uh, intelligent, who are, you know, the, I think, you know, the leaders of society, very much. So it is uh, clearly a country that has become, uh, I'd say, you know, the, you know, the Christian movement there is stronger now than it ever has been. Uh, in fact, I think that it, uh, you know, it, I, I'd say it's quite possible that Christians there are more influential than almost anywhere else in the world. And there's some huge churches, aren't there? Yes, uh, there are quite a number of mega churches. Um, the uh, but I think even the even the mainstream churches, uh, the Presbyterian Church, is still the biggest in Korea, uh, which it has been for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that has I think uh, I think about a quarter of the population is Presbyterian alone. And that go- and, and that goes back to the Presbyterian missionaries, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the Presbyterian Church actually made Korea the number one focus of its missionary work overseas you know, all the way back in, you know, the turn of the century, around 1900. Is... And uh, their efforts there made it uh, made Presbyterianism the uh, number one uh, denomination there, uh, yeah, really from the beginning. Is South Korea sending out missionaries in big numbers? Uh, they definitely are. They actually, I think, are second only to the United States, and second by only a very narrow margin in the sheer number of missionaries they send all over the world. I think that, uh, I mean, I think that people have occasionally seen news about that that's percolated into the mainstream media. And, for example, there was a large group of South Korean missionaries who went to Afghanistan of all places, Mm. and made the news because they were actually massacred in their bus. Mm. But Clearly, it was quite a courageous act to go to a Muslim country in the middle of a war and try to make converts. 
to these. Cri- yes, it's a very, there's a very big missionary movement from South Korea, and that actually goes back a very long way. In fact, the, the very first missionaries who were sent from Korea actually went abroad all the way back in 1912, mm. which was only five years after the very first Korean was ordained a minister. So it is something with a very long history, which is uh, a, you know, a very big movement right now. My guest is Robert Kim. His book is called Project Eagle, The American Christians of North Korea in World War II. We've got one more segment with Robert. Hoping you'll stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. The answer to what is happening to you is here. You five are the Power Rangers. The movie Power Rangers tells the coming-of-age origin story of a group of misfit high schoolers who become a quintet of superheroes. There's the rebellious star football player, the -the on-the-outs ex-cheerleader, the autistic nerd, the mysterious new girl with a chip on her shoulder, and the slightly crazy loner. Each one of these angsty teens has been labeled an outsider. And in fact, they don't even like each other all that much when they first meet. But when they stumble upon some mysterious jewels and find a spaceship buried beneath the Earth, they suddenly find themselves supercharged and forced together. And they realize that they'll have to become a hard-hitting team or watch the universe go up in smoke. These are them? They're so small. Funny I said the same thing, actually. You mean to tell me that the fate of the universe is placed in the hands of these children? They're teenagers. This sci-fi actioner is an updated movie version of a Japanese TV show import that first stormed America's shores back in the 90s. It's very much a good versus evil flick that talks broadly of the benefits of team building and self-sacrifice. In truth, though, outside of fans, the movie will likely only appeal to a kid audience, but the film's fairly intense violence, rough language, and teen-level sexual innuendo should give mom and dad second thoughts. So, I'm giving Power Rangers just two and a half Zord attacks out of five for family friendliness. For the full review of this film, be sure to check out PluggedIn.com slash radio. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Plugging you into the movies, I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family's Plugged In Movie Review. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Robert Kim is with us. His book is called Project Eagle, the American Christians of North Korea in World War II. Uh, Robert, when the uh, missionaries go out from South Korea, uh, what language do they speak? Do they speak English? Uh, you know, I believe so. Um, I think that uh, you know English. Uh, that, you know, English is almost universally taught in Korea, so I'm you now quite certain that most of them actually, uh, you know, are able to communicate in English with uh, in the countries that they uh, live in. This you mentioned China, Robert, and uh, <clears throat> the uh, movement of Christianity in China. Is that all? Undercover is that all done secretly? I believe so. Uh, there is actually quite a network of Koreans and Korean Americans in China who are uh, Christians and uh, you know have a community of believers not only among themselves but which also reach out to Chinese. Uh, I think you may have heard about them because they're actually involved in a fairly uh, significant way in the rescue of people from North Korea and smuggling them to South Korea or the United States. However, they do have to live on an underground basis. Mm -hmm. The uh, Chinese authorities, of course, uh, do not want them to be uh, proselytizing. I believe a a number of them actually have been imprisoned uh, on actually charges of human trafficking for aiding North Koreans. Uh, trying to escape North Korea and make their way to South Korea through China. Mm. So it's a 
It's, yeah, it's a, it's a movement that still exists, and it's a, quite a perilous, it's quite perilous work, though. Will North and South Korea ever be unified? Well, it's very hard to say. Uh, I remember that back in the 1990s, after the fall of the Soviet Union, when North Korea was economically in a state of total collapse and with widespread starvation, there was a widespread, uh, I think, assumption that the North Korean state would collapse and South Korea would uh, be able to reunify with the North. However, that did not happen. The regime now appears to be quite resilient. They're on, its, they're on their third generation. They appear to be as in control of the state as they ever have been. Uh, of course, their nuclear program and you know other actions uh, like, well, their recent assassination of a member of the Kim Il-sung family in Malaysia uh, show that you know the state still has a great still is in is in control in the north. So it's very hard to see unification happening any time in the near future. However, if there are cracks within the ruling family in North Korea, or if you know there are actions which are you know, taking on a, I think, crazier uh, aspect more and more as time passes, and it very well could create sufficient discontent among the military and other uh, you know, groups in power in the North, Perhaps we will see the North Korean state topple, but it's you know, it's very hard to see signs of that happening anytime in the near future. Robert, what would it have been like living in Korea uh, when the nation was conquered and ruled by the Japanese Empire? You know, the interesting thing about Korea at that time in the late 19th century is that I believe that anyone reading the New Testament and looking at Judea during the life of Jesus, when it had been conquered by the Roman Empire, would find a great deal of similarity between the two. Mm. It was a country that had an ancient culture, an ancient history, was a, you know, they were a very proud people, but had fallen into decline. They were still an agrarian society that was very much, I think, living under feudal conditions at a time when the world was industrializing. You know, they were they had no ability to fight the Japanese who had, you know, up to date modern weapons. So it was a country where people really felt helpless against a you know during an age of imperialism. And at the same time, in their own lives they were they knew that they were impoverished and they knew that they had fallen behind the rest of the world. And there was a question of what to do about it. And there were many different movements during the late 19th century. Some were traditionalist, some were violently anti-Christian and anti-foreign, and wanted to return to traditional ways. Now, Christianity was the, sort of one movement in, in a mix of many different movements and you know, many different groups. It was a time that where, when there was a great deal of disorder. Even people who might have the same ideas were often fighting against each other. All out of, well, the same kinds of jealousies and rivalries that you will find today between people. Mm. So it was a time of great uncertainty and, well, when society really had collapsed. And, you know, Americans arrived with Christianity at exactly the right time. Uh, they provided a whole new belief system and outlook on the world and set of ideas that were exactly what Koreans needed at the time, uh, which is why in 1945, when the United States uh, forces liberated Korea, well, uh, many Koreans were, uh, in a way, already ready for an era when they would be a democratic country. It took, of course, decades for that promise to be fulfilled, but it eventually did happen. And I think that what we see in Korea today is a reflection of that. Robert, how does um, South Korea view uh, the United States today? Um, uh, do we have a strong, good relationship? Well, it's a relationship that I think in many ways is very strong, but at, at the same time has many tensions. Now, South Korea is a, you know, it's a modern, uh, prosperous country 
mm-hmm. where there's a great deal of uh, well, a great there's a very wide spectrum of views about everything, and certainly a wide spectrum of views about about the, their relationship to the United States. There is, uh, you know, there are there is a conservative versus progressive split there that is as strong as you will find in the, in the United States. There are, you know, many in the conservative camp who view their relationship with the United States as absolutely crucial, mm-hmm. and who also have a very good comprehension of the long historic ties between the United States and Korea. At the same time, you have you know, a very strong progressive action that, you know, very often uh, does not have that same appreciation, and you know, views ha- you know, has a great deal of uh, you know, they have a great deal of tension in their relation in their attitude with Americans for Americans. So if uh, you know, if I think in South Korea, you would see the politics swing back and forth in the way that they approach Americans, and unfortunately, right now is one of those times when. The situation is quite uncertain. You have a presidency that has been going down as a scandal for the past several months. Uh, how the political uh, situation there will resolve itself and which view would prevail right now, well, I think it, uh, that's something that's up in the air. What do you want people to take from your book, Robert? Well, uh, there are several things I would like people to take away. One is to have learned about something that they probably never even imagined, that Americans used to, and American Christians in particular, uh, used to have a significant presence in what is now North Korea. And to not only take away that factual part, but also to come away with an appreciation of, well, uh, how Americans of the past uh, related to the outside world, how they influenced a country that is of uh, you know, significant importance in the world today in ways that people neither in the U.S. nor Korea probably think about very much. And you know, from all that to, I think, have a greater appreciation of where they stand in the world. My guest has been Robert Kim. His book, Project Eagle. The American Christians of North Korea and World War II. We will have a wrap-up, folks, right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've looked at other website designers. There's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 800-824-5131. 800-824-5131. That's 800-824-5131. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thank you for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Rachel Macy Stafford was with us in the first half hour uh, talking about her book, Only Love Today. And then Robert Kim plugged in with us, and we got a really fascinating look about Uh, Christianity in North and South Korea and the situation uh, with those two nations. It was a good visit with Robert Kim. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my latest book is out. It's called The Success Intersection. And uh, we talk about your greatest talent intersecting with your strongest passion. And when that happens... 
Well, that's your sweet spot in life, folks, and that's where you want to live. Uh, the Books and Bookstores, Amazon.com, a great way to order books. And we're back next week for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.